listen, it's true. This could be your last chance to launch your very own automated e-commerce store during the biggest boom. Meantime, UFO sightings in New York have nearly doubled since the pandemic began, and we are getting new video from the Navy showing pyramid-shaped objects flying in the sky. Brian Yenis is live for us in Brooklyn, New York. Brian, good Trace, good morning. This extraordinary video and images of unidentified flying objects or UFOs were and investigative reporter George Knapp. This night vision video purportedly shows three pyramid-shaped UFOs flying over the USS Russell off the coast of California in July of 2019. At one point, these UFOs reportedly hovered just 700 feet above the tail of the Navy destroyer, making, quote, extraordinary maneuvers. Now, Corbell says the unclassified video is part of a classified government report intended to educate officials about unidentified crafts flying over restricted airspace. These cell phone photos taken by a FA-18 pilot in March of 2019 show three different unidentified aircrafts off the coast of Oceania, including two UFOs dubbed the Metallic Blimp and another called the Sphere. A Department of Defense spokesperson said, quote, I can confirm that the referenced photos and videos were taken by Navy personnel. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force has included these incidents in their ongoing examinations. However, the Pentagon was unwilling to confirm these three photos, which Corbell says came from the USS Omaha, showing a UFO diving into the ocean and disappearing. That is an extraordinary piece of technology. Whoever is operating these technologies are far more advanced than anything we have in the U.S. arsenal, and, and that should be a warning sign. We need to find out the intent of the operators of these vehicles. Extraterrestrial or, or not, a bombshell UFO report is expected in June from the U.S. government. Trace. For that, Brian Yannis, live for us in New York. Brian, thank you. We really wanted a new home, but with kids and pets, selling seemed really stressful. Like a perfectly smooth white tag. 
for people that need a bigger visualization, the giant propane tank. Fravor says the F-18s began circling, Fravor at 20,000 feet, and the so-called tic-tac only about 50 feet above the surface of the water. And I say, hey, I'm going to go check this thing out. And the other pilot stays and says, hey, I'm going to stay up high. And then it starts coming up at us. We call it two-circle fight, but it's coming up. I'm coming down. So it literally is aware we're there. There's no doubt because it mirrored me. So here it is. I cut across, and I get to about half a mile of it. You know, so I'm about halfway across the circle. So it gets in front of me. It just goes poof, and it's gone. It's gone like that fast. What do you mean poof, it's gone? I mean exactly that. Like, it's one minute's there, and the next second, it's like magic trick. So I asked the other airplane. I said, hey, do you guys see that? And they're like, it's gone. It just disappeared. When you saw this kind of performance, what was what was the first thing that went through your mind? Shock. What the hell was that? Yeah, exactly. Once back on the carrier, Fravor's team told the next crew what had happened, and that crew took off ready to capture something on camera. And this is what they saw. I, I guess the Sandbox, baby. Sandbox episode, baby. Let's do it. Let's get back to it. Think that we have developed that technology. I don't think we developed it on this planet. We still, to this day, have no idea what it was, what we saw, what we chased, what we engaged. It was pretty spectacular. <laughs> A report from that incident nice. eventually made its way to the Pentagon, across the desk of Luis Elizondo, the former director of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. In essence, what that program was, was an investigatory body looking at the, what we call the UAP, uh, probably in the vernacular, it's better known as the UFO phenomenon. The bottom line here is that uh, over the past uh, several decades, we in the Department of Defense and Intelligence community have been noticing things in our airspace that don't have wings, they don't have cockpits, they don't have even a, an obvious sign of propulsion like an engine, and yet still they're able to defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. In 2020, the Pentagon declassified three videos, the Tic Tac video and two others filmed on the East Coast in January of 2015. <laughs> Other countries have made similar public disclosures. Also in 2004, the Mexican Air Force confirmed this video was shot by one of their pilots near the coast of Baja, California. In 2014, the helicopter from the Chilean Navy locked onto an unidentified object emitting what appeared to be some sort of gas or vapor. Both governments have said they investigated but couldn't determine what the objects were. To those like science writer Sarah Scholes, clipped black and white videos always leave a lot to the imagination. To me, the most interesting thing about the videos is how little information is in them. All we have are these, you know, 30 seconds or a minute of something totally decontextualized and so everybody kind of gets to think whatever they want to think about them because we don't actually have enough information to form any kind of conclusion which is ufo's favorite space to live in the, the muddy fuzzy space but will 2021 be the year all of that changes because of covid19 Hidden among the many pages of the COVID-19 bill is this mandate to produce a report on unidentified aerial phenomena. What's different this time is that the military is kind of talking them about them very explicitly in terms of threats. It's not like the Pentagon's deal to call things aliens, but that, that's kind of the angle they're coming from. If there is a foreign adversary, let's say Russia or China or anybody else, who happens to have this technology and they've had it for decades, and we in the United States have somehow been strategically leapfrogged in our technology, we've got a big problem on our hands. 
Officially, the clause attached to December's COVID-19 relief bill added by the Senate Intelligence Committee calls for the military and FBI to brief committee members on what they know about UAPs within 180 days of the bill's passing. The kind of top-level briefings Elizondo says he's given before. The three options are, is it our technology? Is it for an adversarial technology or someone else's technology? Or is it something completely different? Where 99% insurance is not for adversarial technology. So that only leaves really one, one other option. It's, it's someone or something else. Are these three videos the only videos that you know of that the United States government has that shows unidentified aerial phenomena? No, absolutely not. These are probably some of the least compelling videos, in some cases. You know, we, we've seen these things 50 feet away from the cockpit. And, and when you're talking about something that is that is 50 feet away, I mean, uh, what could they tell from uh, being 50 feet away? With all due respect, Gotti, I, I no longer work for the United States government in that capacity. So I want to be clear that I don't want to speak on behalf of the U.S. government. And I also want to give the government time to, to uh, do what it needs to do regarding this data. But in science, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. If... If the future wants to zap itself into a present orbit, it shall. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. You love that. Look, I'm not a UFO guy. My background, I'm a former counterintelligence special agent. I was, I was asked to do a job, which I did. However, it was my understanding the conclusions that I came to and by the way every other person in the program unanimously came to the realization that these things are indeed real uh, and, and it's getting increasingly harder to keep the cat in the bag do you ever think that you're going to see something like that again in, in your lifetime I don't know I don't know I look up a lot I mean I'm not lying on a clear night you just look up and wonder and I'll wander for the rest of my life I think everyone does
appearing to split into two and disappearing. Over the last several weeks, some of the nation's top former intelligence officials have been raising eyebrows. Former CIA director R. James Woolsey said he knew of a case where a plane was paused in midair. A friend of mine was able to have his stop at 40,000 feet or so and not continue uh, uh, operating as a normal uh, aircraft. What was going on? In December, ex-CIA director John Brennan said it was arrogant to believe there are no other forms of life other than the ones on Earth. And former intelligence chief John Ratcliffe says officials have been tracking technology beyond our capabilities. We're talking about objects picked up by satellite imagery that are difficult to explain. Like another incident off the coast of California in 2004 when a fighter squadron encountered an object that seemed to defy gravity. What do you think it is? I, I honestly don't know. I don't think that we have developed that technology. I don't think we developed it on this planet. Video from that encounter and two other incidents were officially released by the Pentagon last year. Payment time period. No new signs that the Pentagon could declassify more sightings of what they can't explain. And guys, now here's the thing about those last three F-18 videos. I recently asked uh, the former director of uh, the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program at the Pentagon, point blank, are those the only videos that the government has? He said no. Those were probably the least compelling videos. And in some videos, you see an object about 50 feet away from the cockpit. Ooh. Guys. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to say I don't believe because I don't want them to come prove me wrong. Exactly. And by the way, think about every person who thinks they've seen something oh. up in the sky. These are these are just the military confirmed ones. I don't like it. I'd like I to go back just like <laughs> thinking that this isn't real. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. I'd like to be happy in my ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for watching our YouTube channel. Find your favorite recipes, celebrity interviews, uplifting stories, shop our favorite deals, and so much more with the Today app. Download it now. For the tree, watch out for that train, you know. But meanwhile, we're gonna get back to what we were doing earlier, I think. Here we go. Developments in the last couple of days on UFOs. And yes, because Crystal is out, I'm going to cover his UFOs as much as I want to. Not that she's against it. Oh, she's against it. I'm just very into it. Okay. So this all started out on a website called The Debrief. Let's throw this up there. So The Debrief, very interesting news organization on science, tech, and aerospace, spoke with a lot of U.S. military and intelligence officials about the UAPTF. Now, I want everybody to take that in. The Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Now, this task force, we've talked a lot about that here. That's what is working with Congress and the Intelligence Committee. Well, it turns out, according to the debrief, they spoke with a bunch of officials about a new report that's been circulating around the Pentagon and within the intelligence community. Now, I'm going to read some direct quotes to everyone. Everyone the debrief spoke with said that the most striking feature of a recently report was the inclusion of a new extremely clear photograph of an unidentifiable triangular aircraft now yesterday the debrief published these photos so the first one let's go back to that first one and you can see clearly it was taken with a cell phone camera from an aircraft this was an fa-18 
fighter pilot and was captured somewhere over the ocean. I also want to explain here the behavior. So two officials that received that report said, quote, the photo was taken after the triangular craft emerged from the ocean and began to ascend straight upwards at a 90 degree angle. So Ryan, you've had the privilege of being here um, and having participated now in two UFO segments. Your reaction to this news, real bombshell stuff, man. This is amazing stuff. And what's what's amazing to me, too, about it is my inability to believe it. Like, (laughs) I can, you know, they could could walk on stage uh, with a couple of aliens who would start talking, and that's that's not happening. There's some some type of block, mental block, uh, that I have... um, that that just doesn't allow me to, to go there, even though, I you know I, you know I can't do the math, but I know other people can do the math and show that the, the, the probabilities are such that if you if you have this, you know infinite galactic, uh, you know historical uh, timeline before you, that the, the probability is that of course we're not the only uh, place where where life could develop, and if life can develop, you can have intelligent life, and if you can have intelligent life, you can figure out space travel. We figured yeah. it out. Um, I, I, I want to know a lot more about what was going on uh, underneath the ocean, this thing fly, flying out of it. Yeah, and look, I mean, we've got ex-Air Force personnel who've testified that UFOs have actually deactivated nukes. Um, one of the things I forgot to mention Commander David Fravor talked about is that one of the UFOs that came into contact with a U.S. Air Force plane actually jammed their radar, technically an act of war. And what's important to acknowledge about all this is that part about the ocean, this is now consistent with a couple of different verified accounts of U.S. military personnel that are encountering this. And Ryan, you and I were talking before the segment. In some cases now, nuclear attack submarines are said to have encountered some of these vehicles under the ocean. And I remind everybody the Tic Tac one in 2005 was actually observed you know, by Commander Fravor saying that it might have been communicating with something in the subsurface. So this isn't just something which is aerial necessarily. This is just something that kind of defies, because it defies the laws of physics, it just changes the way that we think about flying. I mean, you know, whenever you have a propulsion system which doesn't require like air and burning air, you fly just same underwater as you do in the air. Are you a ship? Like, I don't know. Are there other uh, theories that people are, that the army is throwing out or the, the military is throwing out as to what, so, what else could be going on here? Great question. Um, in terms of the military, they don't mention any. Now, in the right. debrief article, what they talk about is something called a weather dropsinone, and that is like a, a triangular-ish, I wish I had a picture that I could throw up here, I should have thought about that which is attached by string to a larger weight. And the reason why they generally think they can rule that out is because the string and the weight are not attached in terms of that triangular phenomena. The other one uh, people were talking about is a mylar balloon. Um, that's you know been the case in several different ones. That one, look, I don't have an explanation. It, it's, it's certainly possible. My, you know, what I would say is, I do not think an FA-18 fighter pilot takes out his cell phone to take a photo of something when it's a mile hour balloon. I just think that given the amount of time that these guys spend up there in the air, we're talking about tens of thousands of hours of airtime, of so much more, they know how to distinguish between something that they believe to be a, you know, something emerging from the ocean and going at a right 90 degree angle and like a mile hour balloon, which is just like, 
going around. So, look, I mean, this is uh, this is just so another true. tool in the cap. And as as we've said, um, and actually, it's interesting. Time travel. It is so When you were asking, like, why would they keep this secret? A lot of it has to do travel. with the nuclear program and some of the more secret elements of the U.S. military arsenal and their own, you know, contact that has come in with these vehicles. But you know, it just hmm. day after day after day, the situation gets a lot more interesting. I'm glad we're learning more about it. I'm, I'm glad that you know credible outlets like Time the one that you just elevated are, are are looking at this in a way where where people who haven't been you know, following it uh, religiously you know, for years can can, like can, can go, have a place to go to and, and I know look at it in a serious way. Yeah, I try hard to break it down on only the most credible ones and Pentagon reports, things with photos, that type of thing, because it's very easy to be dismissed. There's been a lot of propaganda about this um, for many, many years. Anyway, uh, next week on Rising, another week planned with more great guests. Crystal Ball is going to be back with me. Remember to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our videos. Don't forget to like and share as well. And everybody, uh, leave a comment thanking Ryan for joining us for this week. <laughs> He's been such a great guest host. It's been great to be with you, Ryan. Really enjoyed our conversations. Thank you. That's been amazing. Absolutely. All right, we will see you all next week. Oh, you can do it. Oh, you can do it. <laughs> now, we'll see. We'll see you next this week. How about that? We'll see we get this week. How about that? You on the brain, bitches. I know you on the brain. How about you? Do you know you're on the brain? You on Brainwash Radio, baby. Oh. Hollywood. Let's get back to it. The mystery genius. Who presented the UFO. a forgotten genius, a gifted sculptor, artist, and modern-day Leonardo da Vinci, whose UFO-like invention was the realm of pure science fiction. But it's also a story about this man, his fixation with the past, and living on borrowed time. me the greatest non-fiction story never told. It was about this inventor who lived here in the outskirts of Silicon Valley. He had done all sorts of amazing things, but he'd been forgotten by history. And for one reason or another, I bit on this email. And for the last two years, I've been coming this guy, Randy Hunter's place, where he has built a temple to his obsession, which is this inventor. What are you doing in here, man? I got another big batch of photos. You got a few minutes to look at this? Yeah. Meet Randy, a successful art dealer and fine art collector. This is the guy he wants everyone to know about. Alexander Weigers. Weigers was born in 1901 in the Dutch East Indies. 
was a teen, he moved to Europe to study engineering, and then moved to the U.S. to study sculpting. Near the end of World War II, Weiger settled in Carmel, California. And it's here he carved out a most unusual life. He built a house made entirely from recycled materials and objects crafted by hand in his blacksmith's studio. Weiger's ability to live off objects that other people threw away turned him into a cult figure. Youngsters traveled from around the world to take his tool making and sculpting classes. They also came to marvel at his art. This is probably the most photographed Weiger so far. Randy discovered Weiger's in 2008, when for the first time, his sculptures were put on sale. Randy snapped up the lot. As an art dealer, he had dreamed of hitting it big by finding an unknown artist and making him famous, and figured that Weiger's was his man. This sculpture is my favorite one. But what started as a business deal turned into a life-altering passion. For the next 10 years, Randy spent countless hours and millions of dollars tracking down Weiger's sketches, personal belongings, and all the finished artwork he could lay his hands on. He produced a movie about Weiger's, wrote a book about him, and became convinced he discovered a hidden genius. What draws you in? What makes you fascinated about this man? I immediately fell in love with him because it was just like my style. I could see the depth in his work immediately, and he needed to be shared with the public. The version of Randy you're seeing is more sedate than the affable, chatty salesman I first met. In late 2017, he started to lose a multi-year battle with cancer, and painkillers made it tough to get around and think straight. Go ahead. Sure. A few months ago, his cancer came back, and as you'll see, he's not at his best, he's not the same guy that he used to be, and it's a difficult part of the story. His whole mission has been to make this Weiger's man as famous as he can be, and Randy might not get to see the end of that story. This is his drawings, blueprints. Okay, how do you find all this? Look at this, man. This is all these letters. Dig in, man. <laughs> his hunt into Weiger's life, Randy discovered something extraordinary. Hand-drawn designs for an exotic aircraft dating back to the 1920s. Alex appeared to have invented the very first flying saucer. That was an amazing find in itself. When I saw the blankets, <laughs> it was undeniable that he was the creator. <laughs> Weiger's called his futuristic flying machine the Discount. <laughs> Designed to take off vertically and float on a cushion of air, it was a unique concept, and one he thought cities of the future would make full use of. Weigers patented the discopter in 1944, and then tried to sell it. He starts sending all of these letters to all kinds of companies, telling them about his invention, As word of the discopter began to spread, Alex felt the U.S. military stole the idea. 
It was an accusation they denied. <coughs> for Weigers, evidence of the theft was there for all to see. As images of his flying saucer seeped into popular culture, influencing everything from architecture to cars and movies. A two-seater, ready soon, may be the car or chopper of the future. There's this whole flurry of stories. Weiger's first with saucer. Dutchman says he designed flying saucer 23 years ago. The man who invented the flying disc. He didn't really seem to be after compensation as much as recognition that he'd done something important and wanted a bit of credit for it. Spoiler alert, the discopter never became a reality. But the flying saucers it inspired live on in Randy's collection of UFO memorabilia. Hold on a second, I gotta find my guitar pick, you know what I'm saying? I gotta find my guitar pick, cause I dropped that shit on the ground, you know? It happens sometimes. So let's get back to it, shall we? Oh, hold on. Dans une maison magnifique en conduisant la voiture de mes rêves. Tout pour moi a changé quand je me suis lancé dans l'e-commerce il y a à peu près 4 ans. Alors, l'e-commerce, ça m'a permis de créer des boutiques en ligne et de vendre des produits à travers le monde. Ce sont des boutiques qui tournent complètement maintenant en autopilote et qui me permettent de faire des ventes que je sois en train de dormir, que je sois au cinéma, que je sois en famille, que je sois en train de faire du sport. Je fais des, euh, des ventes tout le temps, tout le temps, tout le temps, tout le temps. J'enseigne aussi les mêmes techniques qui ont permis de faire des millions et millions de dollars de vente en ligne à des centaines d'étudiants à travers le monde et eux aussi font des millions de dollars. Cha-ching. Si tu veux en savoir plus, si toi aussi tu veux arrêter de travailler pour quelqu'un d'autre, à travailler à ton compte et finalement euh, arrêter d'enrichir les autres et t'enrichir toi-même, euh, ben je fais une mini formation gratuite où je vais t'expliquer tout sur l'e-commerce. Tout ce que tu as à faire, c'est de cliquer sur le bouton qui va apparaître euh, aux alentours de cette vidéo. Ça va t'amener sur une page d'accueil. Tu rentres ton email et euh, ton nom. C'est tout ce que ça te demande. Yeah, I'm not going to do it, but we're going to go ahead and continue on, It's not letting me change. The ad's just like, I'm gonna have to refresh. There we go. Okay. So lovely. Forgotten by history. And for one reason or another, I bit on this email 
for the last two years. I've been coming to this guy, Randy Hunter's place, where he has built a temple to his obsession, which is this inventor. What are you doing in here, man? I got another big batch of photos. You got a few minutes to look at this? Yeah. Meet Brandy, a successful art dealer and fine art collector. And this is the guy he wants everyone to know about. Alexander Weigers. With Fundrise, the same kind of real estate investments that have powered the world's strongest portfolios for decades. Weigers was born in 1901 in the Dutch East Indies. As a teen, he moved to Europe to study engineering, and then moved to the U.S. to study sculpting. Near the end of World War II, Weigers settled in Carmel, California. And it's here he carved out a most unusual life. He built a house made entirely from recycled materials and objects crafted by hand in his blacksmith's studio. Weiger's ability to live off objects that other people threw away turned him into a cult figure. Youngsters traveled from around the world to take his tool-making and sculpting classes. They also came to marvel at his art. This is probably the most photographed Weiger so far. Randy discovered Weiger's in 2008, when for the first time, his sculptures were put on sale. Randy snapped up the lot. As an art dealer, he had dreamed of hitting it big by finding an unknown artist and making him famous, and figured that Weigers was his man. This sculpture is my favorite one. But what started as a business deal turned into a life-altering passion. Over the next 10 years, Randy spent countless hours and millions of dollars tracking down Weigers' sketches, personal belongings, and all the finished artwork he could lay his hands on. He produced a movie about Weigers, wrote a book about him, and became convinced he discovered a hidden genius. What draws you in? What makes you fascinated about this man? I immediately fell in love with him because it was just like my style. And I could see the depth in his work immediately. And he needed to be shared with the public. The version of Randy you're seeing is more sedate than the affable, chatty salesman I first met. In late 2017, he started to lose a multi-year battle with cancer, and painkillers made it tough to get around and think straight. Go ahead. Sure. A few months ago, his cancer came back, and as you'll see, he's not at his best. He's not the same guy that he used to be, and it's a difficult part of the story. His whole mission has been to make this Weigers man as famous as he can be. And get to see the end of that story. This is his drawings, blueprints. Okay, how do you find all this? Look at this, man. This is all these letters. Dig in, man. <laughs> During his hunt into Weiger's life, Randy discovered something extraordinary. 
hand-drawn designs for an exotic aircraft dating back to the 1920s. Alex appeared to have invented the very first flying saucer. That was an amazing find in itself. When I saw the blueprints, it was undeniable that he was the creator. Weigers called his futuristic flying machine the Discopter. Designed to take off vertically and float on a cushion of air, it was a unique concept, and one he thought cities of the future would make full use of. Weigers patented the Discopter in 1944, and then tried to sell it. He starts sending all of these letters to all kinds of companies, telling them nice. about his invention. Nice. 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 As word of the Discopter began to spread, Alex felt the U.S. military stole the idea. It was an accusation they denied. But for Weigers, evidence of the theft was there for all to see, as images of his flying saucer seeped into popular culture, influencing everything from architecture to cars and movies. A two-seater, ready soon, may be the car or chopper of the future. There's this whole flurry of stories. Weigers first with saucer. Dutchman says he designed flying saucer 23 years ago, the man who invented the flying disc. He didn't really seem to be after compensation as much as recognition that he'd done something important and wanted a bit of credit for it. Spoiler alert, the Discopter never became a reality. But the flying saucers it inspired live on in Randy's collection of UFO memorabilia. This is the room that I think of as the ultimate Randy room. This is the tribute to the Discopter. You've got books, you've got toys, everything you could ever imagine about UFOs. To me, this room has always represented the heart of who Randy is. He's this guy with a passion that I think we would all envy and hope to have for something, but also that bit of his character where he can go too far and gets obsessed to the point where some people, I think, would think he's a little nuts. How has your family and friends reacted to this over years as you've gotten deeper into it? <laughs> Do they think you're a crazed man? or How crazy you are, I think, depends on how much money you spend on your project. Yeah, serious. Damn. A couple of years ago, Randy and his partner Kathy forked out $1.6 million for the land where Weigers used to live. While the original house is gone, Randy's been busy, turning his new home into a temple to all things Weigers. This is Randy's workshop, and this is the room that I think ties him and Alex together. There's a mix of Randy and Alex's tools and the molds of Wager's sculptures all lined across the room. Outside, work has started on rebuilding Weiger's artist studio and blacksmith shop. And there are plans for a brand new Weiger's museum and a UFO fire pit is also in the works. It'll be shaped like a discopter. And when you're actually burning a fire, it would be obvious from 100 feet in the air that there's a flying saucer on this property.
you might think Randy has more money than sense. And let's face it, he hasn't managed to make Alexander Weigers and the Discopter household names. At least not yet. But in Weigers, Randy discovered a kindred spirit. A man who chose to live by his own rules and who created a legacy using his own two hands. What would you say to Alex if you saw him now? I wondered if you had dreamed about that moment or anything. I did dream about meeting him. Yeah? Figured it was a spirit of wires, basically telling me I'm doing the right thing and I should continue with my mission.
Since New Orleans was a place of mysterious new beginnings. For slaves arriving from West and Central Africa and the Caribbean had brought with them a religion which fascinated the people of New Orleans, even as it terrified them with its seemingly alien rituals. spirit in Fawn, a West African language. From the peoples of West and Central Africa, it was brought by slaves to the Americas. Enriched by contact with Catholicism, Goju I'll be right was back, be right back, you know what I'm talking about. A religion of ancient power oh. clung to by the power. Hold on, hold on. We'll be right back. Hold on. 